From Phoenix to London. From L.A. to around the world. This is The Ticket. All sports, all the time, with your boys, former NFL Philadelphia Eagle Ray Ellis and Fan Man. Your number one fan-oriented sports talk leader, Voice America Sports. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. Hey, that music, that's some new music. It make me stronger. I like that. I like that. Hey, hey, fan man, fan man, fan man, are you there? Where's yeah, fan man? I'm here, Ray. I finally made it back to the earth. Man, you know what? We got new music now, fan man. I know. I heard that. I was all excited. I was dancing over here. I was like, wow, they're really getting innovative over there in San Diego. <laughs> Hey, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Fan Man is back. And Fan Man, you, you know, this is this is technology at its finest. I want all you to know out there, Fan Man happens to be on the West Coast with me, but he's not in the seat next to me. Fan Man, as a matter of fact, is in where, Fan Man? I'm in Newport Beach. Newport Beach. I'm wow. recording on the uh, badminton championships. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, it's just amazing what technology can do, and that just gives you some idea of what we can do here at the Voice America Network, especially on rail and sports. And, and I tell you what the NFL can do. The NFL can make you an instant millionaire. There were at least 30-something, 40-something, 50, I don't know how many millionaires made this weekend. It was, it, I mean, it was gratifying for me to see the changes and the instant changes in these young men's lives that they become instant millionaires, fan man. Well, you, you, know see right? that? you know what, Ray? You're 100% right. It's instant millionaire and instant problems for the NFL. Well, no, I don't, we don't want to go there because, listen, one thing that I thought about this NFL draft is uh-huh. there was no drama. There was no drama. You know, the last couple of years you've had people who basically have gone on this campaign of promoting themselves about how good they were and how come they should be the first pick in the draft. Right. And then they were in the draft room, you know, with tears. But there was no drama this year. No, there was no drama. It was pretty, uh, pretty calm from what I, from what I saw. And there were, yeah, I, I didn't see any, uh, any college players coming out saying I'm the best. You, I should be number one. Not well, yeah. Well, that. listen, you that's, want uh, listen. We, we, we here in Arizona, we have you know, pretty boy Matt, who thought he should have been you know drafted a little higher, and you know, and then you also had. Uh, you know, last year you had Brady Quinn, who thought he should have been the first pick of the draft. They had to take him, you know, they had to take him into, you know, commissioner, into the commissioner's office, you know, into the family room, right. you know. Because well, you know what? I, you know, I still look at Brady Quinn as a really good quarterback. I think he's going to take the Browns, the, the, take the Browns, your former team, to the to the next level where they belong. Well, I don't. You know what? I'm, I'm glad you feel that way because that's good. Because see, the fans and the former players always think a little bit different, and that is. I don't think that's going to happen because not the Cleveland Browns because I think Anderson is doing such a great job. I don't think Brady Quinn's going to get in the game. Really? No, I, I really don't. I mean, the Browns they've shored up their offensive line. You know, they they did good in the draft this year. You know, I really do not see you know as as you know as a problem with the quarterback position for him to even have a reason to justify putting him in. And plus, you know, Derek Anderson got a little bit extra money this offseason, so. Uh, I don't know, I, man. No, I, my I, feeling I, is I think the Browns, um, you know, I, I think the uh, the league has to look out for the Browns now. I think the Browns are going to be way up there this year. My, uh, my, that's my feeling is. Well, I think they will be. As a matter of fact, not only do they believe that as a team that they're going to be up there, I think the league also believes in them because I think they're going to be on national TV at least four times. And, you know, we have our great East Coast correspondents out there. Jeff Moser, who will be joining us in, in a few minutes, and I'm sure Joyce, Jeff will correct me in the event that I'm wrong, but I know they're going to be on national TV for at least, 
I believe it's about four games, and so I, I do well, look forward. Well, that's why, because they have a team that's on the uh, upsurge, and they're playing very well, and the Browns are very exciting to watch. And I think it'd be fun to see what happens with Brady Quinn after all that commotion last year at the draft. Well, I, I'll tell you what, they uh, you're, you're in, in California, and uh, you know there's a team out there, uh, the Raiders that I, I think they did, you know, they they went and got the guy that they were hoping to get, you know, and Darren McFadden, and they, that's a, great, a very good running back, right. a great running back in college, and who has a, a you know a great yeah, I think upside. That's who the Cardinals, that's who the Cardinals should have picked was was him. Well, I think the Cardinals address. Well, first of all, he wasn't there when it was their pick, right. but there's no right. doubt in my mind. I think the Cardinals addressed the issue that they needed to, and that is, that's cornerback. the Cardinals, they, they drafted a cornerback, uh, Dominique Rogers, Cromartie, I guess. Yeah, well, and that's what they needed. Listen, that's what they needed. Now, they needed something else, and they, and they addressed that in-house, so to speak, because they moved a uh, role to safety. But, you know, one thing, as soon as I got here, and I got a chance to watch this team for a year, I said to you that that free safety they had, Holt, was terrible. He was terrible. You know, he showed me no aggression, no courage, no heart. And I hate to say that about a football player, but I was just trying to say how bad he is. This is not personal. This is just my professional opinion looking at a football player. And he he just was terrible. On the running back, they they drafted Hightower. Do you think Arrington would be better than Hightower, you know, when it comes down to it? Well, here's the, the fact of the matter is they'll get a chance. You know, they'll get a chance. And, you know, Arrington, J.J. Arrington, I, I like him. I, I just didn't think that the Cardinals actually last year, they didn't give those guys an, enough downs. You know, I thought that uh, I think you're right. They you know, Edge Arrington. played a lot. Now, remember, Edge was a senior citizen when I got here, you know, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think now he's senior of senior. So without a doubt, in my mind, I think this is Edge's last year here. Uh, he may retire after this year. Well, that's what they're but, saying. Yeah, but I, my, you know, his his best years are obviously, you know, well, behind well, like you him. Said, right, last year during the season, he was the senior citizen, uh, the running back. He's twenty eight or thirty. I mean, he's he's up there and he's been beat up. And uh, the Cardinals, I think, uh, made a good choice making it competitive now with Arrington and the uh, and um, the new uh, running back, the sixth round. Well, pick. if you look at if you look at <clears throat> again what the Seahawks did, they got rid of Sean Alexander and. and I'm sure most people didn't think that he was that washed up that they completely just get rid of I mean, they didn't trade him. They got rid of him. They got rid of him, yeah. He got fired. That's... He got cut. He's gone. He's released. How old, how old is he? Well, I mean, Sean, he, he can't be. He hasn't been in the league 10 years. He's not 32, you know, maybe 8 well, or know, 9. He's had a lot of injury problems, too. You know, right? He, 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 uh, he's sitting there with injury problems left and right. They're paying him a ton of money, and he can't play. Well, that's what happens, you know. That, that's, that's what happens when you have players, again, the, the lifespan of a professional athlete, you have to understand, you know, the average person only plays uh, maybe three years, three and a half at the most. Mm-hmm. So if you pay, play beyond what the average career is, if you double that, that puts you into your sixth or seventh year. If you go beyond that, of course, you're, you know, you're definitely a senior citizen. So and then you're a running back, too. And that's one reason why. And I can't believe I'm ever going to say this again, that I agree with Gene Upshaw. And that is, as we were taking a look at these instant millionaires, I guess the the owners felt their pockets, you know, losing some air. And so they've come up with this thing about the compensation package of which the first-year players get coming into the league is not justifiable. So they want to reduce it and change it and try to give you money at a latter part of your career. Well, that's not going to happen because... Oh, you know what, Ray, talking about this kind of money, uh, I don't know if you read, saw this, but the Eagles are now, the Philadelphia Eagles are suing uh, former wide receiver uh, T.O. for bonus money. 
$770,000. Yeah, they're trying. Well, listen, you're trying to sue a guy for your signing bonus money. But at the same time, this is a guy that you suspended from your team for reasons of uh, his, uh, I don't know, whatever he was doing was detrimental to the team. I, you know, whatever it was. So you, so you got rid of him. Well, when you got rid of him, you, for five games, he was gone, and you didn't pay him a million dollars. And now see, you're going to say Owens you're going to... Yeah, but Owens lost in the arbitration earlier in the year. And the ruling said that he had to repay 1.7 million in bonuses that the team paid him when he played. Yeah, you know, when he played for Philly from 2004 to six. Yeah, that's what it said. So now, so they didn't pay him. First of all, what T.O. was doing is T.O. was trying to, you know, he was trying to sue them because he was trying to get some of the salary money that they didn't pay him right. because they suspended him from the team. Right. It wasn't like he just walked out. They suspended him and told him, don't come back and you're fired. Yeah, they and and, and they, now they, they're trying they to go after the signing bonus money. But here's the thing. What people have to understand is signing bonus is just that. You put, they say, if you agree to put your name here, we agree to pay you this. Right. It's a signing bonus. That's what it means. The definition of it is, you know, apparent in just the word. Signing. Well, they suspended him uh, through the, you know, one year after he helped the team get to the Super Bowl in 2005. He lost 965000 in salary from the final five games of 2005. And that's the point that I'm making. Right. He, you, the man didn't get paid because you suspended him. So it's almost like somebody who, you know, you work, you have a job, and you get suspended without pay. Okay, they can't go back and then say, well, you know, when you first came to us, we paid you some signing bonus money because you left one job you came to us. You know, you're very important to our firm. We want that money back, too. You, that, you can't do that. You can't There's, do that. That's exactly right. It's either well, paid administrative leave or non-paid administrative leave. And basically, if you're suspended from your job, for whatever the reason may be, for misconduct or misappropriating funds or whatever you may do, either they have the choice to either pay you or not. You see it all the time. And by the way, that is the signing bonus is the only part of a salary, well, no, the only part of no, any no, compensation, this, uh, this, this is it's salary, not salary. 165000 oh. in salary from the final five games, which you Right, right. Pay. I'm saying, here's my point I'm trying to make. In terms of compensation, a mm -hmm. signing bonus in the National Football League is the only thing that you get that's really considered, uh, how should I say that, guaranteed. Right. So, well, so know, then, look at it this way. The Cowboys paid him $25 million over three years, so I'm pretty sure he can pay the lousy 770000 back to uh, the Eagles. Well, it's it's not a matter if he can pay it or not. It's just that I don't think that 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 they do it. I just don't think there's any justification in them trying to recoup something of which you know a guy already earned it when he put his name on the paper. That's it. It's a signing bonus. How are you going to go back? You can't go back and get that. Right. Well, the Eagles did pretty good in the draft. I mean, they acquired running back Lorenzo Booker from the Dolphins on Saturday. And earlier, the Eagles traded out the uh, out of the first round in the NFL uh, draft for the second straight year. So they well, you know, this speak, running back. speaking of, you know, who did well in the draft and who didn't do well in the draft, you know, it, it's interesting that in terms of grades out there, they're saying that the Miami Dolphins, of course, you know, got an A. I don't think anybody is surprised that the Dolphins come out of the draft with an A grading because of the personnel that they have there. And, and of course, you know, that's, that's the big tuna there, you know, Bill Parcells. Mm -hmm. And he had time enough to put a staff together. That, of course, it was handpicked by him, and, and they had time enough to go out and to do their job. Now, I say that because they have time enough to go out and do their job. It means they had time to go out to evaluate the personnel that was available, and then when the time came, based upon what they had a need for, then they selected that pick. Now, this ties into the Gene Upshaw thing. Gene's perspective is, listen, no, you can't change 
the salary structure the way it is for incoming rookies. If you're worried about overpaying the people, then don't draft somebody that is n- not worthy of the money. Well, draft again, somebody that is worthy of the money. From last year when, when they were signing uh, the offensive tackle out of Penn State to the Cardinals, and I can't think of his name, uh, Brown. Levi like Brown. Yeah they, yeah, they paid him $18 million. I mean, again, back to the proving, uh, prove yourself. But you're saying that he proved himself in college, but college and the NFL are totally different, as you well know. Yeah, that, no, no, that, no. That's the way the system is set up. I'm just looking at a system. Because what happens if you say, okay, I'm going to compensate you after your fourth year, they cut you. Right. They, they don't do that. You know, they already had a, there was already collusion amongst the owners before the current system was put in place, and that is where the guys were coming into a league who were undercompensated, they became free agents, and now they wanted to see, you know, market themselves to the league they decided, guess what, guys? Don't you dare offer that guy more money because I'm not going to pay him more money, right. and I don't so, want so you taking from my team. Is it comes down, if you're drafted out of college and you're in the million-dollar club, you better make sure you invest your money right because you never know what's going to happen to you. Well, I, I, I mean, that's, that's like everything. You're exactly right. You know, if you get any time that, you know, it's like hitting the lottery. That's what we call this. You hit the lottery. Right. So, yeah, but, you I know, agree. but... But, but you got to understand, this is something that's a little bit different because you're talking about people who hit the lottery. These are young and very immature men. Those of us who are beyond our 40s and, and hitting our 50s and hitting our 60s and you're 70s. You're speaking for yourself. You, you know, well, yeah, I'm glad to be alive, you know. <laughs> but still, you understand that at that age, you know, you don't have the, the financial literacy has not yet been, you haven't had enough time yet, you right. know, to to be a seasoned veteran when it comes to financial planning and management and, and things of that nature. And you hope that there's somebody in your family you can trust that can do well, that. That's because why we have, that's why we had a financial planner on a couple of months ago in regards to these guys. that Yeah, that, and that's Craig Jones. And that's, exact, for the, for these that, that's exactly right. And we had Craig on, and, 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 and mm-hmm. so, you know, we're glad to have Craig. Well, Listen, know, really we really funny, got yeah, into you know, it that uh, first half there, fan games. man, that first quarter. We, we almost didn't get a chance to get our correspondent Jeff Mosher on, but Jeff will be on after this message. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. That's Fan Man, and we'll be right back after these messages. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. 
I'm Joe Wood, president of Famous Footwear. We are a proud sponsor of March of Dimes' premier walking event, March for Babies, formerly known as Walk America. More babies begin healthy lives because of March of Dimes' research and programs. And with our support, we can do even more for families all over America. One day, all babies will be born healthy, but we have to walk to get there. Join the March for Babies. Sign up at marchforbabies.org. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports all right fan man yeah we got some new music out there you're listening to rail of sports on the voice america network with the number one co-host in the world and uh fan man's in california but that's okay you know because fan man's in california and Jeff Mosher, of course, is our East Coast correspondent, and Jeff is out on the East Coast. Hey, Jeff, how you doing there? What's up, guys? Uh, what's going on? Hey, man, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm excited, Jeff. You know, finally the day has come. As I, Fan Man and I were talking about these instant millionaires, and right away somebody's trying to take <laughs> their money back with the owners trying to take their money back. But uh, just to throw that first question out there to you, you know, they're talking about, hey, we need to correct the system. And I think we tried to talk about this a little bit before, but today – it's out there. It's resurfaced again. I just don't see them ever trying to pay the guys less and compensate them later when, as Gene Upshaw said, and I can't believe I'm agreeing with Gene, it's such a short career. How do you think they can work that out? You think they can work that out? Well, I think the, the one thing that, that comes to mind is something that we did talk about a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think if you're going to ask the players to give, then the owners have to give. Um, you know, if you want the players to go for a rookie scale, then – the owners have to drop the franchise tag, or the owners have to drop some of the demands that they have that work in their favor. I still don't know if that's going to be enough to convince a, for a rookie scale, but I don't see that happening without the owners giving something up on their end. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and to me, you know, even if you drop that franchise tag and all, I mean, I don't think the franchise tag was used very much this year. Did you hear about it at all? Oh, no, it was used, uh, I think, 13 times. I think it was used more this year than it had been used in the past, and... You saw um, teams really find creative ways to use it. I mean, they, uh, you know, the Eagles used it to keep L.J. Smith from going into free agency, but I don't think most people would consider L.J. Smith a franchise-type player. Um, the Ravens did it to keep Terrell Suggs, and not only did they keep him, but they franchise-tagged him at the linebacker position when in actuality in that 3-4 he also plays defensive end. But as a linebacker, he's making a lot less money than he would as a defensive end. So that, there were a lot of creative ways the franchise tag was used this year. And, and see, and that's something that, uh, you know, again, I think there's a few people out there in this league at the GM level who've mastered the salary cap structure and how mm -hmm. it works to their benefit. And I think the, the agents have to do a better job of that when they go into the contract negotiation, even to the point where I would negotiate if I were an agent and negotiating my player's contract up front. Part of that negotiation would be there will be no franchise tag ever attached to this player as long as he's under this contract. I, I, I just wouldn't do that. So kind of like a no trade clause, right? Yeah, yeah kind of like that. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you can kind of, you can, you can, you got to get creative. And I haven't heard anybody come up and say, guess what, guys? You know, it's been negotiated that they cannot put this, you know, tag on this person. But, you know, anything, again, anything the owners can do 
to keep the money in their pocket. I think they're going to try to do it. I mean, why are you complaining about the rookies getting the – everybody knows who gets the money. You get it – when you come out of college, hopefully you come into a slot where, you know, you're in a good position, negotiate a good contract because wherever you start at, that's where you finish. So, if you, you know, if you start off in a high category in terms of your draft status and you perform well, then, of course, you know, the next contract you're going to get even more money. You start off at the bottom – then you're hoping to have a great payday on your next contract, you know, and then you're hoping that you don't get hurt, you know. So I, I just don't see that happen. But let, let's move on. I, I like to move on in terms of, you know, from your perspective, Jeff, you know, there are the grades out there. And, of course, as I said, everybody gave Tuna an A, and I think he may be one of the few teams that got an A with the exception of maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but what do you think in terms of who had the best draft? I have a tough time um, reconciling the whole Give a grade to a draft when when we when we all know that you can't really do it for a player, um, you know, or a draft for at least three or four years. I mean, yeah, Miami got players that seem to have some cachet. They seem to really fit the system that Bill Parcells is trying to implement. But if Chad Henney stinks and if uh, you know um, Jake Long isn't very good tackle, then then how is does the A become a D in three years? It's really tough to grade a draft. I think. You know, Miami got players that, like I said, seem to fit their needs. Same thing with Kansas City. Um, but there are some teams out there that drafted, and I'll just use the Eagles as an example, who didn't really draft for immediate need and, and made a lot of questionable picks right now. But three years down the road, maybe some of these guys turn into football players that you yeah, wouldn't have expected. So. You know, Jeff, I totally agree with you. I think the Eagles did pretty good because they're, they're actually getting trainees in there to learn the system so they can take over when these other guys retire or get hurt. I think it's, it's, it was pretty good. Plus, the other thing I'm excited about, the Eagles are going to play on Thanksgiving for the first time in two decades. And they're yeah, going to play against the Cardinals, the Tweety Birds. Yeah, how about that? Isn't It'll that be, incredible? It'll be good for us. Well, <laughs> you, guys, you guys coming out? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to come out and watch the game. And I'm not going back to the cold, fam, man. You can go. You, I'm not going there. Oh, come on. <laughs> I just want to go there and get a cheesesteak. Well, yay. Send one back. Send it through some tasty cakes as well. Tasty cakes and wise <laughs> potato chips, right? Well, you know, let me tell you something, guys. You know, when I, when I look at what, you know, people say is an A and a B and all that, you know, you can look over the years. And what's interesting is you find out over the years there are some people that were drafted very high. And you look over some of those charts that they have out there that actually record who the draft picks are, and you're scratching your head to see who who was that? Who was? I never heard his name. Right. You know, and I'm wondering who in, in this year's draft in the first round is one of those guys that one day we might look back and say, "Wow, who is he? Did he 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 didn't pan out?" And I and I'm I'm hoping for his sake that it's not Darren McFadden because I, I think this kid is – I think he's just amazing. I think he's a great running back. I think he's a good kid. He's got one of those stories. And, I, you know, hey, Ray, I, I don't always I like – question for you. Why, why is it that this guy was, you know, round, you know, number one pick, round one, and then all of a sudden he doesn't make it? I mean, how does that happen that the guy is so good to be picked so high and then all of a sudden he doesn't make it? What is the well, – how, how does that happen? And then a couple of years down the road we go, who? How does that happen? Well, many times, uh, you know, and, and although there are some guys out there that think that the competition has nothing to do with in terms of the competition they play against in a college level has nothing to do with their performance at the professional level, I disagree with that. And I'm going to go to a story that I had that, that I remember. And, it, and for the life of me, I, you know, I maybe I, I'm not sure I understood it at the time, but I always talk about the time where uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, we drafted a guy, number one uh, offensive lineman out of uh, Indiana. And his name was Kevin Allen. And uh, I remember, you know, Wes Hopkins being very upset with the fact that we had drafted Kevin Allen. 
and and I asked Wes, you know, you know why, you know why are you so upset? You know, I hadn't really got a chance to see Kevin play that much, but Wes was like Indiana. What have they ever won? You know, and you and you think about it. And many times when you come into the professional ranks of playing sport, there are so many intangibles of which it's hard to measure. But one of them is a player's confidence and and his ability to come in and adapt, and particularly in that locker room setting. You know, being a professional athlete, playing against competition, the best competition every down in practice and in the, certainly in the games, mm-hmm. and if that person is able to make that adjustment. So what you know, happened to this guy? Well, uh, he had some off-the-field problems to say, you know. <laughs> let, me, let me just say that. He yeah, had some off-the-field the problems. The that, though, is, you know, I you know Marcus Colston came from, from Hofstra, and I don't know what Hofstra ever won. I know that they never played in a major bowl because they couldn't. They weren't big enough school, but yet he's probably one of the top three wide receivers in the NFL right now. And, so and it happens. What I'm hearing is, is this is a guess. The draft is a guess. They're hoping that some of these players come out and do something, and they know that some of them are not going to make it. So basically it's a wash with a 50-50. Well, you know, and that's, a, and that's about right. That's about right. Yeah, if you look probably. At, if you, 50-50 sounds about good. Yeah, 50-50 would probably be good. I yeah, mean, you, I, and you we're know, talking you about draft anywhere between six and, and eight players, and you, you kind of hope four of them really become starters. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking about, about Quinn. You know, Jeff. We always go back to that when he was crying and he wasn't drafted number one and this and that. But he hasn't played it down. He hasn't mm-hmm. done anything. He's just sitting on the bench. Who knows? He might. Mm-hmm. He might be just be a total bust. Well, let me just say this, guys. We're talking about fifty-fifty. I'm talking about the first round in itself. Right Whereas on. I think the first round should be, the, if, if there is such a thing as an exact science, I'm sorry, guys, I disagree. I think the first round should be an exact science. I do not think that, you know, and that's what the owners are so upset because they draft these guys in the first round, they give them all this money. They are the only ones that really become the instant millionaires, and then they're a bust. Well, they're a bust because your scouting personnel probably didn't do its job. And, Fish, if you're out there listening, uh, man, I'm not talking about you, but, you know, <laughs> there are some people who handle the scouting, and, and, and sometimes they don't do their job. And hey, so that's why. Question, though. When the scouts are out there and the scouts know, let's say the, the Cardinals as an example, the Cardinals have problems in certain areas on defense. Okay, They know that, and they're scouting these college games all year long looking for those specific players that will fit into that specific um, um, you know, background of what the Cardinals have, have decided that the, the defense is going to be. And then come draft day, they kind of they, they 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 get these players and they kind of and then everybody starts complaining and say, well, this guy's not going to fit in. This guy's not going to be able to do this. But the scouts are all over the country, all these college games. So why wouldn't they be able to really pinpoint this is the guy we need? We'll get him in the fifth round, third round. Doesn't matter where we get him, but this is the guy who's going to fit into our defensive ploys of what we have set up. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. I think they should be able to pick the right guy. I think they they have enough time. They have an entire – many times it's years that they're looking after players. They're looking at players. They look at them when they come in. If you're going there to look at somebody who's a senior, well, you may see him, but you're also going to see the rest of the guys on the team. So if there's a kid that's a freshman or a sophomore – and he's getting playing time, and, and you put him down, you make a little note, you're going to come back you know, and look at him next year or the year after, whatever. I just don't think that there is an excuse for a first-round bust other than the fact that the guy gets injured. If he's not injured, I think that the scouts should be able to do it, and they have enough time to make an assessment, make an evaluation, and pick a very, very good first-round pick. I, I think first-round picks, should, they should be Pro Bowl players. And most of the time, if you look, you probably only see in the first round maybe six or seven you know, which is probably less than a third of the picks are end up being Pro Bowl players. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, Jeff, I mean, you, I'm sure you've covered a lot of guys and, and you see it. Uh, and you guys are the ones, I think, a lot of times are the ones who become, you know, critical. You have to be. I mean, you have to keep an open mind and, you know, an unbiased opinion. But you call it you call it what it is. And when the guys are bust, many times you guys get to see it before everybody else sees it. Uh, when do you start looking at a guy and say, OK, well, hey, he was your first round pick. He's not really performing. It's time for us to bring it to the attention of the fans if you don't want to do it. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it depends if it's a top. You're talking about top five, top six guy. You, you kind of expect that guy to make a contribution immediately, unless, of course, he's a, a quarterback and he's a project for the future. Uh, but then you go to ten to twenty, twenty to thirty. I mean, th- these guys should come in and, and make some type of contribution if they're first year, if they're not starting. So uh, it, it's pretty fair after the first year, I think, to, to talk about the first thirty-two guys taken and what kind of impact they're going to hey, make. Hey, Jeff, let me ask you a question here. You know, the Raiders released uh, Dominic Rhodes on Monday, mm-hmm. two days after they signed... Um, McFadden. The, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mc- McFadden. Huh? McFadden. Yeah, McFadden. So mm-hmm. there you go. I mean, they're, they're, they're putting all their money on McFadden and letting Rhodes go. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're well-stocked at running back anyway because they right. also have... Hey, uh, guys, there's that Morgan. music. And you know, once we hear that music, we got to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the number one sports network in the world with the number one co-host in the world. Hey, man. And we'll be right back after these messages. I want to be as free as the spirits of those who left. I'm talking Malcolm Coltrane, my man Yousef, through death, through conception, new breath and resurrection. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. If you love sports and like food, or like sports and love food, or are anywhere in between, Sports Bites might just become one of your favorite ways to spend your lunch break. Broadcasting Thursdays at 12 o'clock noon on the West Coast, it's Sports Bites with Chef Die, a delicious, enlightening, and entertaining mix of sports, food, and celebrity athletes. Yummy. Don't miss Sports Bites with Chef Die, Thursdays at noon on the Voice America Sports Channel. From the Super Bowl to the World Cup and every major sporting event in between. Front row with sports travel insider Robert Tuckman will take you on a private ride into the exclusive world of high-end sports travel. Tune in every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern as Robert interviews key event organizers as well as star athletes and celebrities who attend these events. That's Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. And, of course, we have Jeff Mosher with us. You know, Jeff, I'm just wondering, you know, uh, the draft is over now, and and you got some of those uh, teams out there that, you know, in terms of their personnel and their brain trust, uh, they're supposed to be uh, pretty good. Uh, Anybody out there that that you're aware of is supposed to be superior to any other team? Uh, As far as drafting? Yeah, and when it comes to their brain trust, yeah. The New England Patriots are the kind of team that are always—they're always lauded for their drafts. They're always credited for discovering guys in the later rounds that, uh, that are, you know, like not just the Tom Brady's of the world. They've had a few late-round picks that that have uh, flourished. So you know, whenever whenever they kind of pick somebody that you know you're not sure of, you make your head or you, you kind of scratch your head. It seems like other teams think, "Uh oh, wh- you know, what are they onto?" And uh, I think they did that with a quarterback this this year. They picked a, a quarterback. Um, Somewhere in the, in the third round, Kevin O'Connell from San Diego State, and this guy kind of uh, had a really good senior year there and a, and a good, you know, good workouts. But I think the Patriots picking him in round three probably made everybody else around the league say, "Oh, how good is this guy going to be now?" You know, just, they just have that natural reaction when the Patriots do something. Well, you know, um, you know, I've I've heard that before about the Patriots, and um, you know. I don't want to go into the spy gate and all that type of stuff, you know, but perhaps maybe there's a couple other things that uh, have been able to assist them because it's ultimately it's all about how the players perform, mm-hmm. you know, on the football field. And, that you know, this thing that we're trying to say, if it's an exact science, this, this draft stuff, right. you know, it, it kind of leads us back to also to, to the combine. And, you know, how important is a 40-yard dash or, or how important is, is the combine? And, you know, it's those guys, it seems like those guys who go out to those small schools and and find those quarterbacks uh you know like mm-hmm. the one you just mentioned and also uh, the guy down at uh at the university of delaware of which uh ozzy and his team picked up uh seemed like they found a, a diamond in the rough as well yeah that pick did not surprise me um i know i knew with jim harbaugh there and there and ozzy there uh that they were, they were in need of a quarterback this guy was a local guy for them delaware being very close to maryland and um uh, you know, obviously they traded up to 18 to get him. They wanted him. So um, this guy is going to be an interesting guy to follow. I mean, he's, he's got the, the quarterback measurables, as they say. He's 6'6", and, uh, you know, he's, he's more, I don't want to say he's athletic, but he's, uh, he's more mobile than, than people give him credit for because he can move around in that pocket pretty well. So um, they're kind of banking on him because, you know, they've had, they've had so much problems with their quarterbacks in the past. If, he's another, if he doesn't pan out, it's only going to set the franchise back a few more years. You know, Jeff, uh, talking about what Red was uh, just discussing about mm-hmm. uh, players taken in the later draft, in the later rounds, Tony mm-hmm. Romo is one of them. You know what, Finman, you're right. Most of the quarterbacks right now that are successful in the NFL came from, they call it the sec- they're the second-day guys. You know, Matt Hasselbeck, Jeff Garcia. Actually, Jeff Garcia didn't even get drafted. He was uh, came from uh, Canada, I believe, and That's then exactly the right. Arena. And, um, you know, Tom Brady, Tony Romo, it just seems like, the better guys now are the. Are not, I know Eli Manning just won a Super Bowl, and Peyton Manning has too. But um, it seems like there's more success of guys on the second day than the first day. Right, I agree with you. 
Yeah. Well, quarterbacks again, guys. We you know we talked about that last week. That's one of those positions that again I, I'm looking for an upgrade in terms of the performance uh, of the younger quarterbacks that are in college because it's you know if you're worthy. Listen, if you're worthy of a, a first round pick and you're worthy of the first pick of the draft, you know. And again, that didn't happen for a quarterback, but there was a quarterback available and and he wasn't uh, taken with that pick and they needed a quarterback. Uh, it it still says something to me about the. The quarterback and perhaps maybe the talent of the quarterback dropping off. Uh, it could be again. It could be a financial thing because again, remember where you come in at and based upon what position you play has a lot to do with your compensation. But right, we, we have a situation right here in Phoenix now with uh, Matt Leinart, Hollywood Matt. I mean, they drafted him in the first round, tenth pick overall, and he hasn't proved to do anything. And well, I've never been. A, I, I've never. In. I mean, how much time? I mean, what's going to happen with him? It's, it's either injuries or he's partying too much, and everybody's upset. But he has to prove it this year. Well, this I've never been a fan of, of of Matt Liner. I mean, I you know again, and I'll just say this: I don't know where it comes from, but uh, statistically speaking, if you look at it, you know, there's probably been maybe three left-handed quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that's won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, it's just something about a left-handed quarterback. I, I don't think I'd ever take one. You know. And uh, although one of my favorite ones of all time is the snake, you know, but uh, I, I don't know what it is. You know, it's just uh, Steve Young, you know, yeah, you know, but I don't know what I take. A lot Steve of the Young? blogs right now, Ray, a lot of the blogs on the, car, the Cardinals and, and on AG Central are actually saying that we should have waited until Brody came up because Brody's a, a great quarterback or a very good quarterback at USC. Now they're saying that they should have, we should have waited for Brody and passed on the liner. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> they can say all that, but uh, John David Booty is still, he, I mean, when, he's, he's still got to prove himself yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure I would have taken him either. I'm not saying he's the answer. I'm saying that I just haven't, you know, seen a lot of very good quarterbacks coming out. There'll never be another draft, I don't think, like the 1983 draft, unless once the, all those guys have sons, you know, like Archie Manning did and, you know, produce great <laughs> quarterbacks. But, right, right. But, How about- uh, how about the fact that if you look deeper into that, not just Matt Leinhart, but if you look into that just incredible USC offense for that two-year span, uh, a lot of those guys have really not adapted well to the NFL. You talk about not just Leinhart, but, I mean, Reggie Bush really is still kind of trying to find his way as what kind of back he's going to be. Uh, the, the tight end whose name escapes me right now, uh, Do- Bird, was it? Dominic Bird? Yeah, Dominic yes. Bird, right. Really hasn't made a huge impact. Winston Justice was awful in his limited playing time with the Eagles. Um uh, let's see, there was a, two receivers, Dwayne Jarrett, who really didn't do much his rookie year in Carolina. Steve Smith did okay for the Giants, but he was, he was a little hounded by injuries for the part. I mean, there's really, for such a great, gr- one of the greatest, most epic offenses all time in college football that won a championship and then played for a second one, to not really have one guy making a really big impact in the NFL is kind of a head-scratch. Well, you know what, Jeff, when you really talk about that, they always say that USC is groomed, uh, they play like the NFL. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when mm-hmm. they say they play like with the like the NFL, like an NFL team does, and then right. these guys go out and they really don't fare that well. So why is it that they keep on saying, well, if, you know, USC plays like the NFL, they look like the NFL, the players are that good? You said the line, the O line was great for two years, and then mm-hmm. they all go to different teams and they really can't put it together. Well, yeah. I think so what does that I, say about USC and the and, and the coaching at USC? Well, no, I would say that this is probably. Uh, this is not the norm for USC. This, uh, you look over the years, probably with the exception of maybe, oh, I'm, I'm just going to throw a number out there, five teams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have had more you know, guys come into the league and make an impact and become all-pro football players 
than USC. I mean, you, Ed is a great program, and, and not just because of Pete Carroll, because I, you know, Pete was one of my coaches. But I think USC has a tremendous football program. It's just, you know, for some reason or another, these last few years, the guys that have come out have not panned out, and I, I don't know what that reason is. But um, I wouldn't say that that's, uh, you know, an asterisk next to that program, whereas for some reason or another they're not producing NFL-quality, you know, players. I think it has something to do with, with the players themselves. I will say this about Reggie Bush, and I've said this to a couple young kids. I think the problem with Reggie Bush is it's Reggie Bush's style of play. Reggie Bush is a player who had great speed for high school and college, but he does not have the great speed in terms of his style of play for the National Football League. Here's what I mean by that. Reggie Bush is a guy who likes to, uh, he doesn't cut back. He tries to reverse the field with his style of run. He tries to make his big plays by reversing the field. The guys are too big, too strong, and too fast for that style to work in the, in the pro system. And they're also too intelligent. They're very disciplined. So in other words, if you've got contained, you've got to stay home because you know the type of player that he is. He likes to reverse his field. Now, a cutback runner is a guy who would let everybody kind of slowly come down their lanes, pursue their lanes, and he sees an opening because somebody has got his behind in the hole and kind of turned the man, if you will picture this, out to the left, turn somebody else, into the right and there's a hole and he can plant and burst through that hole Red, that's not how Reggie plays Reggie is a cutback guy I mean a, a, a reverse the field kind of guy and because of that it hasn't worked too well and, and, and you know Matt again Matt's a left handed quarterback the big wide receiver they had again I, when it comes to wide receiver guys I do not think that those big strong guys are the kind of guys that you can count on in the middle of the field in the green zone the red zone yeah you can throw the ball up high to them but you get a good corner guy, with the exception of Plexico, had a great game, um, you know, against Al Harris, you know, in that, in that NFC Championship game. But Al Harris was in great position. Plexico just made some great catches. Mm. But most of the time, those big guys, they can't get off the line. You know, those guys can get up, they can jam them, they can run with them. So you like to have the quick, you know, receivers that can get off the ball. And I think the guy that, uh, out of Cal, I can't think of his name right now, I think he's going to be good in the slot. So not, yeah, I, th- I think I, I think he's going to do a great job. You know, so, by the Eagles, by the way. Yeah, and and Donovan got what he is. Donovan happy about that pick? Well, Donovan hasn't spoken yet, but I mean, just knowing Andy Reid's system, it, it, Deshaun Jackson is very likely to see the field on special teams, but uh, and maybe as a third receiver. I, I'm I doubt Ray if he made a huge impact on the offense uh, in his first year. But maybe he will, but you know, carrying a 168 pound body. You know, well, that's why, I, you know what, Jeff, and, 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 and I see what happens on something like that. That's a guy you got to put off the line. You can't put him on the line. you got to put third receiver, bring him on the field, put him in a slot. Now the person who has to cover him is off of him. He can't get up on him, and he's yeah. quick enough that he can. Yeah, yeah I can see him making a, an impact from the slot. Oh, yeah. That, that's, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. So I, uh, you know, I guess we shall see. Yeah, well, let me ask you something. You, you, the way you said Donovan hasn't spoken yet, you know, I, I, Donovan spoke last year when they drafted a quarterback. Is there anything going on? Should we read anything into that? Well, no. I mean, uh, basically the, the team doesn't report for minicamp until Friday, and, you know, I'm sure when he arrives Friday we'll, we'll, he'll have something to say. Um, last year it was a little bit more pressing, because, like you said, because they drafted a quarterback and people wanted to know his reaction immediately. Um, now people are just curious to see what Donovan says because, Donovan came out very strongly in favor of adding more weapons to the team. Um, he didn't say offense, he said everywhere, but obviously you knew he wanted some weapons for the offense, and it just hasn't happened yet. 
Well, again, we, we've got some of that music, and I want to come back on the other side of the commercial break and talk a little bit about who's on the hot seat from the draft because they proclaimed they had a great draft, and if that draft doesn't produce, let's see who will be on the hot seat. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Amen. And, of course, we've got Jeff Mosher with us as well, and we'll be right back after these messages. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Jack LaLane.com presents Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how. Three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga race course. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Take a look inside the country's fastest-growing professional sports organization. Join Robbie Kendall for Inside the ABA on the Voice America Sports Channel. The show will feature weekly interviews with the owners, players, coaches, and influential league executives. Tune in and be a part of the fastest-growing sports organization in the world. You can hear Inside the ABA every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. All righty, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Amen. And we've got Jeff Mosher with us, too. And uh, listen, I want to apologize to those of you out there who are listening. I understand that we had some technical difficulties and the system was down a little bit and perhaps maybe you couldn't hear us. But believe me, whatever Fan Man said didn't make a difference anyway because he just <laughs> doesn't right. like Matt Liner and he's all over Matt. And, and so Matt got a break for about a few minutes, however many minutes we were down. Fan Man was on Matt real hard. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I, I'm listening here in California. You didn't go down on me. I heard well, everything. 
Oh, well, that, well, that's good, man. Just watch the way you explain what happened and what went down on what and who and where and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, we're having <laughs> a great... What's Sandman <laughs> doing at the, in California? That's I, don't, I, I have no clue. That's, again, that's that, that's that agent. And speaking of agents, you know, I think what happened in this draft is for the first time in any draft that the fans got a chance to really see how much of an impact an agent has on the drafting status of players because you saw no drama because finally after what happened to Brady Quinn last year, the, the damn agents, and I yes, I did swear, had to step up and tell the players the truth. And that is I have no control over you being drafted by any team in any category or any round. And all I can do is once you've been drafted is do the best I can to negotiate your contract. But no, I cannot affect your draft status. What do you think about that, Jeff? Actually, I think it's incorrect. I think that uh, I understand what you're saying. I think that a, a prospect cannot be influenced to go higher because of an agent, but I definitely think some guys can go lower because of the agent they choose, a.k.a. Dan Connor, Drew Rosenhaus agent, supposed to go in the first round, drops to the third round. I don't know if that's all talent, but I know that there have been cases where Drew Rosenhaus clients drop because people are afraid to negotiate with them. Well, you know, I, let, me, let me take that back. Okay. And the, but and I knew the, what you were getting. I didn't, yeah, in defense yeah, I didn't of my answer, I think, see, what happens is as these agents are out there trying to recruit athletes, mm -hmm. the story they're telling the athletes is, listen, I can get you drafted in a higher position, a higher round, and things, and get right. you more money. Now, you perhaps maybe can negotiate a better, you know, contract value. But in terms of the contract, you know, the draft position and what team, I, I just don't think you, maybe you can hurt a guy, but you, you can't help a guy. They're, can't just, help they're not doing all, favors. Yeah, no, they're not I don't understand favorite. how an agent has any influence on anything. Well, it's like this. If you got an agent that's, that's notoriously known for holding his players out for whatever reason it is, and a lot of times they just do that because they think they're improving the mm -hmm. player's you know, chance to get more money, and really you got a guy like Carl Peterson you know, out there in Kansas City who hates that. You know, he does not want his players missing any time. He wants them in training camp. And if mm -hmm. he's got a guy and he finds out that that guy – already has an agent, he finds out who the agent is, he knows that guy is known for holding his players out, he probably will move on. Totally he agree with that. There are cases I can, like can, yeah, we I should remember where that happened. So I guess, so the, so the owners and the coaches know the agents that possibly could do that and they'll pass on the player. Well, Absolutely. yeah. You see yeah. baseball all the time. Nobody wants to take a Scott Boris uh, player because Scott Boris is known for holding out his uh, prospects and they just pretty much pass on him. And it happened with Pat Burrell in... Uh, Philadelphia. And I think the, pa uh, the parents of the players, you know, even though they're 22 years old, the parents are still involved in their lives. And, you know, I think, you know, and they, they, they tend to be a part of that process as well. Uh, you know, when you got somebody that's going to be that high, and I say the parents because when you see these guys in the draft room, you see their parents right there with them. You know, I think they just got to get involved, and, they've got, and their teams have to let them know, hey, if you're like that, if you're an agent that's like that, don't penalize that kid because that kid did not know that you feel a certain way. You can, you can do it. You don't even have to tell who you are. You can just say, okay, the majority of teams don't like this agent or whatever, but somehow or another, I think it's got to be to the point where it's revealed that the young players know. The, maybe, the play, maybe it's the Players Association's job. That's it. Maybe it's <laughs> their job. Who was your agent, right? Well, I had a couple. Of the, the last agent I had was a guy by the name of Lloyd Remick uh -huh. out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I also had a guy by the name of uh, Mike Corby. So I had, uh, you know... Uh, two guys that represented me, and uh, but again, again. Let me ask my you a question: When they, when they, did they come after you? I mean, how does that work? Did they come after you in, in, at, at the Ohio State, or 
or did you go after them, or how did that all come out? Oh no, they no. It, it's you know, if, if you've got to go after an agent, the chances are that you're probably not, not going to enough. be drafted. Right, you know, right, and right. you know, and so most of the time, the players out there are going to be drafted. The agents are aware of it, and, and they they pursue you. You know, so it's it's one of those kind of things. You're, you're pursued by the agents, and and they're they're promising you the world. Pretty much, it's, I'm going to tell you the. Once you start, when you find yourself in a position leaving college going to pros, it's very similar to leaving high school going to college, with the exception of, well, some places you're not getting paid, but in other places you're getting paid. <laughs> yeah, with the exception, some people the money's better. Yeah, some places, some places the money's better. You know, when you're in college than it is in pros. I think well, I mean, that's, you get Learjet treatment, better food, better clothing. Uh, yeah, I think that's at the U. Uh, I think whatever. that's at that school, the U, that that wants to be like the Ohio State University. They do things like that. But let me ask you. Let me change the subject because I want to ask about Carl Peterson and Herman Edwards, who I said I thought these guys were on a hot seat. I mean, I think they're you know, at the highest, you know, level in terms of those teams that are, were on the hot seat and that are still a part that were, in, you know, in, in the early rounds, Atlanta, well, of course, we got to give them a chance. But I, I think Kansas City's on the hot seat. And what do you think they did in terms of their draft status, Jeff? You think they improved themselves to the point where, hey, you get, now you got enough players, whereas if you guys don't make it next year, you guys are out of here? Or what do you think is going to happen out that way? Well, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a um – a, a barometer draft for them. They they really had to have hit on a lot of their picks because you know they they were going down and they need to go up and they're asking for the fans' uh, patience and and they you know Herman Edwards even said he he, he needed to hit on the, on these draft picks, no doubt about it. So getting Glenn Dorsey was was a good for their defensive line, get, you know, especially since they lost Jared Allen, uh, and getting uh, Brandon Albert good for their offensive line. But the one thing is that they did didn't do was I mean they came out of here I guess and if you're a Chiefs fan you have to be um, happy with Brody Croyle as your, your starting quarterback because uh, they, they had a chance to get Matt Ryan and they didn't. Well, in, in terms of let, let, let's look at the NFC and the NFC out there. Who do you think really improved their chances to, to make that run for the Super Bowl? I, I, think, uh, I don't think the Cowboys had a bad offseason, but I'll just listen to what you have to say on that one, Jeff. No, I thought Dallas did a good job. I mean, they, they, they were able to come out of there with uh, Felix Jones when people thought that they needed to get um, Darren McFadden, but Felix Jones was pretty good running back who's going to make a nice compliment with um with uh marion barber and uh you know they uh they added i think a wide receiver as well they did some good things hey jeff let me ask you this question uh, what about pac-man jones going to dallas you think that's going to improve dallas uh for next well year? i mean uh, i i would think so fan man from a from a talent level standpoint but then again i think it's very difficult to take an entire year off from the nfl and just especially a cornerback position where instincts and speed are so important and then just be thrust in there and, and be able to play it in, at an upper echelon level. And I, I do question whether fairly or unfairly how much work he was putting into football while he was not playing football. Right, well, I, think, I so, think the gentlemen's clubs in Dallas love it. They're going to make a lot of money. Yeah, well, there's only about 5,220 gentlemen's clubs in <laughs> Dallas, so I don't know how he might be distracted at all. But. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I don't, I don't know where you guys came up with those figures at, but I'll tell you what, that seems like there's one on every corner. So. We've been there. <laughs> But, but uh, listen, we've had a great show. We've had a great time. But as always, this time has to end. But uh, you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Amen. And, Jeff, we thank you for joining us. And as always, I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Forget rich myself all Because I promise I'll be gone for a while